Good morning, Vertical. Wow, thank you. That was great. Wow. I love you all. This is great. But more importantly, God loves you. So I'm really, really glad to be sharing the living word with you this morning. Romans chapter 8 is actually my favorite chapter of the Bible. And verse 31 has actually a significant importance to me uh, in my high school days, and I'll get to that story later. In week one of the sermon series, Pastor Chris called Romans chapter 8 the Himalayas of the Bible. The bedrock and foundation of this chapter is verse 1, which pronounces that there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. With this freedom, we can press on to higher altitudes, knowing that the Holy Spirit will guide us even when we are weak and the winds of suffering are threatening to blow us down the steep slopes. Yet we look up to the snowy peak with hope in adoption as God's sons and daughters, knowing that we will have glorified bodies in heaven and that God is sovereign over everything. Even then, as we look up and see the distant peak and we feel the gale force winds, we know that our hope is not in vain and we have confidence through all the peaks and the valleys of this life for we look beside us and Christ Jesus himself is holding our hand and guiding us as we make our ascent to the summit. Pray with me, church. Father God, thank you for this word that you've given us, Lord. Along with this word, Lord, you've given us your Holy Spirit. Indwell in us and reveal these truths, Lord, that these words not be mine, but they be from you, God. And that you fill our hearts and minds that we may understand your truth. Lord, your ways are greater than our ways. So Father, help us to get a glimpse today of these truths, knowing that you are for us, so who can be against us? We pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's, turn, let's open our Bibles. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, please raise your hand. Somebody will get you a Bible. Uh, there will also be verses up on the screen. Uh, let's go to Romans 8, 31 through 36 if you're not already there. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. This is truth we can firmly hold on to, church. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. There's a lot there. In this text, Paul poses a who question five different times to point our focus and our attention to the one who's created the heavens and the earth and calls us his sons and daughters. So this morning vertical, we are looking to the living word of God to, to know why we can have confidence in those promises. First, we are told that God is for us, so who can be against us? But maybe this morning you walked in here today and you feel opposed. You feel that in your marriage, it's a 1v1 situation instead of a partnership. Maybe you feel that your friends are not truly there for you when it matters. Or maybe like me, you tend to find your worth in what people think of you. For many years, God has been calling me away from people pleasing and reminding me that he is for me and he's for us too, church. 
in these verses, we are also told that God gave up his only son. So why won't he graciously give us all things? But maybe you walked in here this morning and you feel like you have nothing. That you give it your all in your parenting or at work or at school or at your health, with your health. But nothing seems to be going right. The children keep disobeying. The performance improvement meetings stay on the calendar. The bad grades are constant. And the illnesses and injuries seem never-ending. We are told that God justifies us since Christ paid it all and intercedes for us. So who can bring a charge against you or condemn you? I don't know about you, but my flesh and the devil, they love to condemn me with lies. Tiago, are you sure you're justified? Are you sure you've done enough to earn this? Why do you keep failing so often? Who loves you anyways? You can't even please all your friends and family. Praise God, this isn't our reality. We are his children. And in verse 35, the text is asking, who can separate us from the love of Christ? And we can victoriously say, no one. God is for us. Vertical church, God secures us in the love of Christ. That's why he is for us. Everything in this passage is building up to God's love in Christ. This is what Paul who wrote Romans 8, is getting to in these verses. God is for us because of Jesus. Now, how does God secure us as we await our heavenly home? Let's take a look at the scripture. Look at verses 32 through 34 with me again. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Amen. First off, God clears our name in the love of Christ. This is the first part of how God is securing us in the love of Christ. He clears our name, loved one. Do you see it in the text? Look in the text with me. Do you see that we are clear from accusation and condemnation? God justifies us, as it says in verse 33, and it's because of Jesus in verse 34. He's the one who died, who was raised. This is good news, church. This is awesome. God secures us in the love of Christ by clearing our name from accusation and condemnation. God is for us in Christ Jesus. Christ loves us, so God sent him to earth in the likeness of sinful flesh to condemn sin in the flesh, not to condemn us. We saw this back in verse 3 of Romans 8. So go back there with me if you have your Bible. If not, it should be up on the screen. Romans 8.3 says, For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Do you see it? No one sees it? Okay, I see it. Uh, Who is to condemn? God is for us. So he clears our name by condemning our sin in Jesus Christ through his death. 
God did not spare his own son so that we have right standing with him. Now, why did Jesus have to die like we see in verse 34? Well, in Romans 6.23, it says that the wages of sin is death. And as we see in Romans 8.34, Christ Jesus is the one who died and paid that wage or price for our sin. He did this in love, church. It's because he loves us. So we see in the passage that Christ was given up for us all and that he died. But where does it say that it was in love in our passage here, Romans 8? Well, let's remember that the letter of Romans did not have chapters or verses when it was first written by Paul. So we can look back to Romans 5, 8, where we see that God shows love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Did you hear it? Christ died for us in love so that our name would be cleared before God. Praise God. <clears throat> Some of you may have recently seen the story of the 22-year-old Botham Jean who was shot and killed in his own apartment by Amber Geiger. According to the trial, she entered Botham Jean's apartment and confused it for her own. So she shot him down and killed him. Earlier last month, over a year after the incident, Amber was found guilty for murder. Feel this, church. The Jean family has been waiting and mourning for over a year for justice. And during the sentencing phase of the trial, Botham's younger brother, Brant, took the stand in the courtroom, and he gave one of the most emotional statements I've ever heard. Brant Jean, Botham's younger brother, said that he hopes that Amber goes to God with all the guilt and that he forgives her and that God forgives her too. He tells the killer of his brother that he loves her, that he wants the best for her, and he doesn't even want her to go to jail. He then says that the best thing for her would be for her to give her life to Christ. Rant pleads with the judge to give Amber a hug and demonstrate that he really does love her. This story is amazing, church, but it's only because of what Christ has done on the cross that Brant is able to see past murder and love someone who has only caused him hurt. Brant has cleared his anger towards Amber. He does not hold the crime against her. He has forgiven her. Now, although Brant has forgiven Amber, he can't clear her name from the murder charge. However, we have a God who was able to condemn our sin in the flesh and clear our names through, the son, through his son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross Jesus has fulfilled the righteous requirement of the law, and the almighty judge of the world has cleared our names in the love of Christ. Therefore, when the lies come and they say you haven't done enough or you aren't good enough, start to accuse you and they start to condemn you, look to the cross. Remember that Jesus Christ paid it all. He has done enough and he is good enough. And he takes our place in the courtroom before God. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. So where do we go from here? Does God justify us, clear our name, and wish us well on our journey? No way. We are now redeemed in Christ and made into new creations. Let's look at verse 32 again. Where it says that God gave up his own son for us, and he will graciously give us all things with his son. What are those things? 
Well, God gives us new life in the Spirit. We did the reading of Romans 8. We saw how the Spirit was mentioned more than we've read in any other chapter in the Bible. This is the second part of God securing us in the love of Christ. He gives us new life in the Spirit of Christ. All right, how did we get here? Let's trace back a little bit. Let's look at verses 3 and 4 of Romans 8. Turn there with me. Romans 8, 3 and 4. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. God secures us in the love of Christ by giving us new life in his spirit. Jesus Christ is our righteousness. Therefore, we now walk according to the spirit of Christ who is within us. Vertical, let's not flip those around. First, Jesus Christ died for us, and now we have new life in him. There's nothing we can do to earn that. We come from a place of acceptance. God graciously gives us all things, church, as we see in verse 32. Now, all things is a lot of things. So what else? Well, Romans 8 has shown us that we are God's adopted children and that we are predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So we can look at who Christ is and what Christ has to understand how God sees us and what God gives us. And since Christ is raised from the dead, we are raised with him. If we look back to Romans 8, 10, and 11, we see that. So turn there with me, please. Romans 8, 10, and 11 should be up on the screen as well. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Do you see it? What does God graciously give us? God graciously gives us new life in his spirit. In Romans 8, we have seen how the Holy Spirit gives us new life, future hope, and intercession in our weakness. Now, how do we live in this new life, church? Well, in my life, God has given me new life in many areas. Um, as far as I can remember, I've struggled with being a slave to people's acceptance, finding my worth in that. In middle school, friendships, moving to a new country. Oh, what, what do these new people think of me? What do my friends think of me? What do, do my parents think of me? And then in high school, same thing continued. Friendships, and now it progressed to soccer, my teammates, my coaches. And it was actually during this time that I memorized Romans 8.31. This is the first verse I ever memorized. God is for me, so who can be against me? It gave me hope. It really did. But I stopped there. Let's not stop there, church. I didn't keep reading that God gives me everything I need, that Christ is the one who died. He's the one that justifies me, that I will suffer, but God will be with me. So I held on to that, and I kept trying to do the same things, and I kept trying to find my acceptance in others. This progressed through college, with friendships. And what happens when you're not accepted? When you're rejected, it, it crushed me. It crushed me. 
It wasn't until after college when I really came to Christ that I realized that he... So church, where do you need new life by the Spirit of Christ? What old life does God want you to leave behind and instead live by the Spirit? God will give, a, will give us what we need to give up our old life. Trust him. He is strong enough. He created the heavens and the earth. Everything gives you breath. We all have an, a desire for eternal satisfaction, happiness, and joy. But it wasn't until God rescued me by his spirit that I realized that he cares for me enough to free me from me. He loves me more than I can love myself. God has shown me that no one and nothing else can satisfy the deepest desires of my soul. I tried to put that on other people. But when the texts don't come back, when the phone calls don't come back, when the ex-girlfriend breaks up with you, when the friends desert you, Christ can fill that desire in your soul, church. Yes, he will rid us of some of our current desires and affections that are not glorifying to him. But don't worry, he has something better. He has new life. He has joy and happiness. Vertical, we are given new life through Christ's love and what he did on the cross for us. We are raised from the dead with him. Therefore, let's go and live our new life by the Spirit. This is where we go from here. This is what you take away from this part. We are raised from the dead with Christ. And we cannot live our new life by our own power but only by the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us as Christians. If you've accepted Christ, the Holy Spirit is in you. Christ is in you. God secures us in the love of Christ by giving us new life in his spirit. Now, church, in our new life, we will not have smooth sailings until we are called home. Look at verses 35 and 36 with me. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Jesus Christ himself had to suffer, church. So even though we have new life by the Spirit, it should be no surprise to us that we're going to suffer just like Jesus did. Let's go back to verse 17 of Romans 8. Staying within Romans 8 here, which says, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may be glorified with him. Now, Tiago, how is this good news? <laughs> Why are we suffering, man? We know that the whole world suffers. And we suffer with Christ because there's a purpose for it. God sanctifies us through suffering. This is the third part of it in these verses. God secures us in the love of Christ by sanctifying us through suffering. Do you see it in these texts? Church, this is to make us more like Christ. The whole world does suffer, like I said. But as Christians, we suffer like Christ did. But there's future hope for that. There's glory in that. We don't suffer in vain. So let's look at verse 36. Continue with me in the verses here. As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Pretty strong language. Paul, who wrote Romans 8 again, takes this verse 
from Psalm 44, 22 in the Old Testament. Something interesting about Psalm 44 is that ancient Israel didn't actually know why they were suffering. Many times in ancient Israel's time, they would desert God, they would worship other idols, uh, they would go pour themselves out to people, to other gods, made-up gods. But this time, they weren't. They truly were trying to follow God, and they were still suffering anyways. I know this can feel like a lot of us, Christian. We suffer through injury, cancer, rejection, depression, and so much more. But we don't understand why. God is sovereign over the suffering, and he does use suffering for good. As we saw in Romans 8, 28, which says that for those who love God, all things work together for good. How many things? All things. Amen. Through suffering, we are told that he graciously gives us all things to endure. He is using suffering for good and to sanctify you and me. And as our flesh is being killed all the day long, it causes us to live by the Holy Spirit. Going back to point two. So we suffer and it causes us to go to our spirit and do the good things and live the way that God wants us to. None of the suffering can separate us from the love of Christ and the new life through the Holy Spirit. Now, how can we have so much confidence in the fact that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ? As we saw a few weeks ago in verse 26, it said that the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And to add to that awesome truth, we see that in verse 34, Christ Jesus himself intercedes for us. And he's right next to God right now. The one who came and suffered all these things intercedes for us, loved one. If Christ has gone through all these things, if Christ has died, if Christ has defeated death, how can we not trust him when he says he loves us and is for us? He endured tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword, for your sake and my sake. Jesus was regarded as a sheep for our sake, and he was slaughtered on the cross for us. Amen. That's awesome. Christian, I do not want to minimize anyone's pain and suffering. There are situations that I cannot begin to understand that have happened to many of you. Here in our church, we've been familiar with suffering. We've had a lot of tribulation. We have families mourning for the loss of their unborn babies. We have cancer patients and cancer survivors. We have brothers and sisters fighting against addictions. We have marriages that feel like a battlefield. We have loved ones battling heavy depression and anxiety. We have crippling and chronic injuries and illnesses. We're not unfamiliar with that. My beautiful bride and I suffering this summer. Um, I saw Jen rupture two discs in her back in early June. Um, and for four weeks, she couldn't get out of bed without agonizing pain. And I felt helpless. I suffered with her. I didn't know what to do. But during that time, it was a really sweet moment of intimacy, both for us together and God with us, through prayer, through being in the word together, and through fellowship. Church, many of you were there for us. Thank you. And our missional community group came around us. They prayed for us. They supported us with meals, with helping run errands when it was just 
just me trying to run around. I was shown how weak I am and how much I need God. So suffering brought me to my knees, but it was great. I feel closer to the gen than I ever have before. Praise God. Praise God for that. During that time in the word and in prayer, the Psalms were really sweet to us, crying out to God. The Psalms is a book in the Old Testament with songs composed by various different people, but mostly David. And uh, Psalm 42 was especially sweet to us during that time, which said, deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your billows have swept over me. The Lord will send his faithful love by day. His song will be with me in the night. Prayer to the God of my life. This season was not easy for Jen and I, but we felt closer to God than we ever have before. And now five months later, God has miraculously healed Jen without needing surgery, but there is still fear of pain and re-injury and some actual pain too. Loved one, you may be going through something like this or have gone through something like this. Remember, not all of us are gonna suffer in the same ways. We do not know the trials and tribulations that will be thrown our way during this life. But we do know that God is close to the brokenhearted and those who are suffering. So take heart. He is our shepherd and he will get us through every wave of suffering by the strength of his spirit within us. Brothers and sisters, let's be there for one another throughout the week, throughout our lives, in our mission community groups here. Let's pray for one another and let's help each other remember that Christ suffered for our sake so we might have eternal life. I'm not saying it's gonna be easy. I'm not saying I have all the answers, but I do know the one who does and who secures us despite the sufferings of this life. It is only the Holy Spirit who can give us enough strength to endure those times of suffering. So church, let's endure suffering with Christ. That's the last application. The good news is that one day it will be over. We will be home in heaven with Jesus Christ who suffered in order that we might be there. It's a temporary suffering, church. Everything we're going through. And as we see in Romans 8.18, good news here. We consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. Therefore, we don't only endure, but we rejoice, knowing that we will, that there will be glory for us. We will have glorified bodies. And thank God that he does not ask us to endure it alone. In this time on earth, we have his Holy Spirit who is in us. He gives us strength. We have each other. The Holy Spirit is in each other. So let's strengthen each other. Let's be there. Run meals to people that just had a baby, someone who's injured. We have a lot of babies here. Run, run meals to them. Please set up a meal train. I know we need it. Vertical church, as we've seen in these verses, God secures us in the love of Christ. God has cleared our name from accusation and condemnation. So look to the cross and remember that Jesus paid it all in love for us. God gives us new life as his adopted children. So live your new life by the Spirit. And lastly, God sanctifies us through suffering to make us more like Christ Jesus. So we are called to endure suffering with Christ by the strength of his Spirit. It's not alone. We can't do it alone. The world has tried. We've all tried. I've tried. 
can't do it. It just brings disappointment. We know that this leads to glory. Remember, we do not consider the sufferings of this present time worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. Even as we are slaughtered and we suffer through all those things, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. For God is for us. 